This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast. I'm Mo Sampson Folk, and perhaps overdue, but extremely welcome, a very fun, very insightful guest today, Saha Abdi. And he has he's done a lot of work over the years, most notably Yahoo Sports, Raptors Republic, Hoop Meg, a lot of contributions, a lot of insights shared. Saha, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, man. It's good to be on. I mean, this is the Raptors Republic podcast, so I feel like I'm right at home. Yeah, how how many episodes had you done with William Liu? Um, on the Raptors Republic. It would Anywhere, happen. honestly. Oh man, Yahoo! I've done probably five to ten things with him. Uh, Raptors Republic, I can't even count. I'm not sure when he was here before. Uh, well over fifteen, maybe twenty things. That's a lot of podcasting. How do you, how do you feel after a podcast and before a podcast? Do you get nervous at all? You know what's funny, man? Um, a few years ago, 2017, when I first started writing um, and then covering the Raptors, like on, on the Raptors Republic blog, um, I think my first ever time where I was really, I guess you could say, I want to honestly, I'm being honest, I was frightened, man, is when I was first on Sportsnet, uh, Fan 590. So I think that was 2018, I believe. And I was absolutely shaking. Like this was like podcasts were like, okay, like I got to sound professional. I got to sound like this. I got to sound like that. Maybe a little less professional when I'm, when I'm with Will Lou, I can joke around with him a little bit, a little bit. But when I was asked to be on fan 590 to speak about the Raptors a couple of years ago, I, I didn't, first of all, I didn't even know what room to be in, in my house. Check with the basement. <laughs> Should I be in my own room? I don't, I didn't know what to do. And then. I had to like sit up. I was trying to take pointers from like friends, like, hey, like, what do you guys do during these type of things? And I was, people were telling me, sit up, like, act like they can see you and blah, blah, blah. And it'll just, the professionalism, professionalism will show through your voice. And um, I was pretty shaky, honestly, my first time, but I've been, I've been there, I think probably eight to 10 times now. So I, I've gotten more comfortable with just recordings in general. That's good. I'm glad to have a, a professional on the other end of things. And so no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll swing right into it then. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, something that, you know, to talk about William Liu, something he pointed out on Twitter, I think he, well, it got acknowledged in his 10 things, uh, something that quite a few Raptors people have talked about. Horns, very prominent in the Raptors game against the Spurs. It was the bulk of their late game offense. It's it's obviously a very popular set to run in the NBA. There's a lot of variations. What did you think of running a nice three-man unit for those types of plays with Fred, Pascal, and Kyle down the stretch? You know, it's first of all, the Raptors losing that game, that was difficult <laughs> to watch. 
I just want to get that out of the way. But I mean, the three-man unit with with Lowry, Van Vliet, and Siakam, I, I like the different actions they're using all three of them in. I noticed um, in a, it's quite a stark difference from last year where Marcus Gasol used to initiate plays quite often last season at the top of the key. And I think now a lot a lot more of the onus has fell on the guards. Now, normally when you think of Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Fleet, you know, running the offense, you think that's that's more than fine. I mean, that's what most people consider an elite point guard and a guy who's a rising point guard in the league, who was a borderline all-star last season, and Kyle Lowry, who's been a perennial all-star for, for six, seven seasons now. So um, having the ball in their hands a little more is, is obviously a good thing. Um, and then Siakam, I feel like, we're, I feel like Chris Finch, the the dubbed offensive coordinator for the Toronto Raptors, has kind of tried putting Siakam in, in different positions on the court. And like he said earlier um, during training camp, he was going to put Siakam in, in places on the court that favored him a little more. We're still seeing a little more of the same with Siakam. Still looks um, – he looked good. I mean, the first, I want to say, six, seven-ish quarters of the season um, kind of fell off there late in the game. Um, but again, I just I, – from what I want to see – from those three is for them to just um I think it's it's all gonna work more clearly if if Siakam can find places on the court where he doesn't look like he's I mentioned this uh, in the last game he doesn't really look like he's trying so hard to score a basket if that makes sense um there's sometimes where Siakam gets the ball and it's he doesn't really have a bag if, if anyone knows what I'm talking about um I mean, you see it sometimes with Jason Tatum where he just looks like maybe he picked up his dribble a little too early, but he can still create something out of it. Sometimes it just looks like Pascal's flailing a lot too much. And and for me, that's something that I want to see him improve a lot. Just kind of, I feel like when you watch Pascal, it's 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 more or less like he's making it up on the go, which sometimes is good and sometimes it doesn't really work against longer wings. And then for Kyle and Fred, it's just um, Fred specifically. He just needs to hit his shots. I mean, he he he's a guy who had a really good game versus the Spurs, a, a team that's very long, has guys like Lonnie Walker, Dejounte Murray, guys who are disruptive defensively. That that new rookie Devin Vassell as well, or Vassell. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but um, I'm not really as concerned with with Toronto as a whole as as much as other people. I know, you know, I hopped on uh, my PS5. The other day, I'm not trying to rub it in. <laughs> have it, and, and a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends were panicking. What's wrong with the Raptors? We're going to be an eighth seed this season, and um, I kind of just told them, "Okay, guys, relax. Like, you know, this is this is still the same same Toronto Raptors. Maybe a little a little bit different. Obviously, Ibaka and Gasol aren't there. Um, are they a little worse talent wise? Yeah, I guess you could say so. But um, I'm I'm not really concerned with the 0 and 2 Raptors right now. Yeah, as far as if the expectations are that they're a consummate contender, they're there with like, you know, the Bucks obviously have to prove it. But if they're expected yeah. to be of the St. Caliber, the of the Bucks, of yeah. the Heat, you know, the Heat, they might be closer. But Clippers and Lakers, I should say, to be more specific, like that type of contender, then your expectations off the, you know, off the jump, probably misplaced. But these this 0-2 start, I don't think says anything troubling about what should still be a top six team in the East. You talked about Pascal, a lack of a bag, which certainly is something he's trying to develop, especially if you're going to be a first option. You can see by breakdowns, he's obviously doing a lot more scoring in the first and third quarters. 
in the fourth quarter, it made sense against the Spurs. He was gassed. It's 41 and 43 minutes, I think. But we're still waiting to see some late game creation from him. It was a little bit negative, the commentary, which is deserved. Yeah. But let's switch to something positive about Pascal. The playmaking. Yeah. I think he's been really good passing the ball. As far as creating to above the break into the corners, pretty good. He's obviously not like Kyle creating layups a lot of the time. But what have you thought of him in that role so far? Yeah, like I said before, um, the, the the burden of playmaking has kind of fell on the guards and just has just split up a little more with everybody else on the roster. You're seeing OG, even Matt Thomas is getting a lot more opportunities to playmake. With Pascal specifically, um, just naturally him being an all NBA second teamer, teams know like this is this is one of the big offensive threats for Toronto. This is one of the better, I want to say, slashers in the league. Um and so when he drives, I mean, naturally, he's going to get two, three, four pairs of eyes looking at him. So um, once that happens and a, and a guy shuffles in towards him, not even for a double, but just um, that, that, that gravity that he brings um, to the paint where he can just attract guys inside, um, I think it's gotten guys open. And I think Pascal knows that. I mean, last season, it was more or less like, um, okay, Kawhi's not here. So um, when I drive... Um, our guy's going to help. And I feel like early on in the season, he was getting a lot of one-on-one opportunities. He was absolutely dominating um, teams. And then teams started figuring him out, I think, later into the season and into the bubble. Um, but I think this year, it's it's more or less, okay, if that first read is gone when I drive in the corner, I already know that elbow's going to be there. And I think that just comes with IQ for Pascal. He's just become a much smarter uh, player. He's prided himself on on just developing his basketball IQ. And, and that just comes with time with Pascal. I mean, I think he's 25, 26 now. Um, so uh, you look at him and you're like, hey, this is a guy that's probably been in the league for five, six years. But really, Pascal, is, this is his fourth year, I believe, right? So, um, I mean, it just comes with basketball IQ. And I think that's the main thing feeding his, his uh, growing playmaking ability. Yeah. So we talked about the main three sparingly about Kyle, not so much about Fred, but they are, you know, effectively known quantities and what they're going to bring to the floor. Fred obviously can improve in some areas, especially playmaking out of the pick and roll. And we've seen the development with his mid-range jumper a little bit. That's great to see. But the tertiary guys in the starting lineup, OG Ananobi, Aaron Baines, OG just signing that new extension, Aaron Baines supposed to be a very nice mix of some of what Ibaka brought as far as volume and willingness to shoot and like a smidge of the passing chops and big boy defense that Gasol provided. He's in the starting lineup. What have you thought of him so far? And if you want to touch on OG after that, go for it. Um, We're, we're talking about OG, are we not? Aaron or OG, whoever okay. you want to talk okay, about. Okay, so I'll start with OG. Um, OG's a guy that, I mean... Going into the season, before the season even began, I mean, most people had him pegged as, as an MIP candidate. And obviously the reason for that is, is, is the departures as well as uh, what people saw in the bubble, his, the flashes they saw offensively from OG. OG's always been known as a plus defender. I mean, when he first came into the league, he was a plus defender. And you don't get that very often. Um, he came in, his, his, his body was, was fit for the NBA. Um, he was tasked. Uh, by Dwayne Casey early on in his career to guard some of the best wings in the league. Um, I believe it was, was it the rookie, his rookie year where the Cavs swept the Raptors? 
Yeah. Was that? Yeah, I believe that was his rookie year. I mean, he was guarding LeBron a lot of that series. And, I mean, LeBron is LeBron, but for your coach to have that much faith in you to guard the best, one of the best players to ever play basketball um, for the majority of a series, I mean, that's, that's, that's a big, big thing. So, um, and then now we're three, four years later with OG, and he's become one of the elite wing defenders in the league. Uh, with a blossoming offensive game, a guy who I think one of the key things with OG is that he really understands what he needs to get better at. Um, He said early on in the season, I believe in an interview, that he had to um, really develop his off-the-dribble game. And then on top of that, develop his playmaking. So those are two things that we saw kind of Pascal develop in his second and third year. And um, and, and OG can, can, I don't want to say he can become a Pascal, maybe he's he never really gets that smooth offensively, but um, he's an elite shooter, 40, around 40% last season, um, and then obviously an elite wing defender. And, and if he can just blossom into one of the better 3 and D guys in the league, he's he's well worth the contract the Raptors just gave him. And then and then on to Aaron Baines. Um, Aaron Baines is, was probably the best option the Raptors had um, in terms of a big man. Um, in terms of a replacement for for Marcus Saul, um, big guy, strong guy, a guy that maybe isn't the rebounder you want inside, but um, a guy that exudes physicality. Um, a great culture fit for Toronto. Um, has never really had you know off the court issues. A guy who can stretch it out, shoot the three. A pretty good pick and roll guy. So, I mean, Aaron Baines has shown in the first two games that. This is exactly almost what the Raptors were expecting. Um, but again, if you've been watching the Raptors, you just feel like when you watch um, the guards with Aaron Bain, maybe the chemistry is not there yet, which is okay. I mean, Marcus Gasol was there for a year and a half with Toronto, and it just felt like it was just seamless. His his uh, chemistry with Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Fleet and the rest of the rest of the team. But I think that's going to come with Aaron Baines. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see him grow. He's a bit of an older guy now, but um, I, I think he's he's going to be a plus guy for Toronto this season for sure. Yeah, I think 34 as yeah, it currently stands. And, uh, yeah, yeah, a journeyman for sure. Uh, yeah. As far as the OG trying to develop the things that Pascal developed, that's there are two of the toughest jumps in the NBA is what Pascal is currently trying to do, which is fringe all nba player and i know he made second team but as far as the full body of work including the bubble i think a lot of people would have ended up leaving him off the all nba teams if that's fair not super sure but i think just to cover my bases fringe all nba team he could be on one he could be left off he's not surefire this year trying to make the jump from fringe guy to no doubt about it will be on the first or second team every year that is a huge jump. That's really tough. Absolutely. And the yeah. second toughest jump is the one OG's trying to make, whereas you've established yourself as a good shooter. You can shoot with volume in catch and shoot. He's made a lot of late game shots in the bubble, in the playoffs. In previous playoff seasons, you brought up the, the series against you know LeBron where they got swept right before LeBron hit that insane fading one-handed shot. OG hit a three to tie the game. And Mm -hmm. that's the kind of presence he has to finish late in the game. So he's trying to pick up the bag that Pascal picked up last season, where you're not just a tertiary guy, where you can get some 
structured offense kind of moved your way and you can start playmaking out of it, you can start creating out of it. Even Norman Powell gets some pin downs in structured offense for the Raptors. I'm excited to see if he can do that this year. But again, Pascal, I think, provides a linear type of progression that a lot of people haven't seen in, in the NBA. So as you said, is he going to be Pascal? Will he make that jump? Maybe it's too tough to say. But, you know, Raptors fans can hope. As far as Aaron Baines, I think the offense was coming along decently. He certainly played well against the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Defensively, probably the biggest problem that this team has had so far. Yeah. To be honest, I've liked quite a bit the offensive process. As you said, there's a, a lot of interesting sets that they've run, especially for their top three. Baines defensively. Do you think at any point he's capable of booing the back line where the Raptors are playing this really rotation stunt heavy type of defense where there's so much movement and as you say Gasol walked right into it he has that big ginormous non-ironic galaxy basketball brain and he was able to make incredible reads at the back line Baines will need probably weeks months a long time to get there if he ever does what do you think the ceiling is for this defense after these first couple games Oh man, it, it's it's difficult because I mean after the first couple of games, it's very easy to say, okay, this team's gonna be a massive defensive disappointment from what people were expecting. Um, but I I do genu- genuinely genuinely think Aaron Baines is gonna pick it up. Is he gonna ever be at the level uh, defensively in terms of what he can bring to the Raptors system that that Marcus Saul or even Ibaka could at the five? Probably not. Um, Marcus Saul again. Now I think people are starting to realize that Raptors fans are really starting to realize you don't have to be this athletic, you know, specimen um, to be to be a good defender in the NBA. I mean, Marcus Saul, no one would really consider him athletic. The guy can can barely dunk, with all due respect. Like I mean, in games we watch Marcus Saul get it under the hoop, and he just refuses to dunk. This is a guy defensively who's just light years mentally ahead of everyone else. I mean. Um, if there was one or two guys that understood the Raptors' defensive system, um, it was probably Kyle Lowry and Marcus Gasol better than anyone. Um, and then you lose one of those guys, and then you bring in a guy who's played, what, four games for Toronto, including the preseason, five games maybe? So um, is, is Baines going to get there? I think I think he will. There will be a drop-off defensively for the team. Like you said, the team, you know, they're – their whole defensive scheme is based on rotations and, and making you think you have that open three and then getting there really late and it's really a contested three. So um, we'll see. We'll see if Baines picks it up. I mean, it didn't. It hasn't looked great so far. Um, but again, if you were expecting Aaron Baines to, to be a clone of, of Marcus All, that's not going to happen. If you were expecting this Raptors team to be just as you know great as they were last year, that might not happen either. But um, I mean, I pegged them in, in another podcast I did with Sean Woodley as, as a second-round team that, that, that loses in the second round to a Boston or to a Milwaukee or even to a Philly. I mean, Philly is a very good team this year as well. Um, and people didn't like that, but, I mean, that, that was my honest opinion. And um, I'm not more confident in that, in that opinion just because Toronto started off the season 0-2. Um, but um, I'm, I'm sticking with it. I just think Toronto has... Um, their ceilings kind of shortened this year as a team. And I think uh, when it really comes down to it, it's going to come down to their defense and, and their lack of size. 
Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. And Philly, I mean, if Joel Embiid is having a good series, there's a lot of teams that Philly can punch up against, yeah. uh, let alone the Raptors. But yeah, as you say, the Raptors probably profiling as a team that it would be a, a genuine upset if they were out in the first round. You'd be like, wow, I can't believe this team was out in the first round. Exactly. But you would also be probably equally surprised if they went up against a Milwaukee or a Boston and somehow punched their way into the Eastern Conference Finals. The, the ceiling doesn't seem to be there. And that's from, you know, an eye test, I guess, opinion and a, an analytics opinion. There's not much backing that, but it is what it is. So we're looking at a team that's added a few pieces and the defense is in complete disarray. The offense looks better, and two games against the Pelicans and the Spurs, you win or you lose, probably shouldn't change the fabric of your predictions. You know what I mean? Like, those teams, you win or you lose against them. It doesn't really matter. But there is fun to be gleaned from these games. For me, I've really enjoyed Matt Thomas, the way they've been able to use them. They've ran a lot of sets for him, trying to get him looks, pin downs, flare screens, lots of stuff like that. What have you thought of him so far? And his insertion into the rotation seemingly ironclad. Yeah, I mean, Matt Thomas is a guy I feel like has to be in, in the rotation. And I say that um, because, I mean, the attraction. I talked about gravity earlier for Siakam when he drives to the hoop. The attraction Matt Thomas brings with him uh, off the ball is it's actually stunning. Like, you... For Raptors fans who, 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 I mean, naturally your job as a Raptors fan when you watch games is to just watch the ball, right? You're just watching the guy dribble, all right, pass it to the next guy. He's dribbling, pass it to the next guy. I mean, you really have to watch Matt Thomas off the ball and the amount of attention he gets from the defense. Um, guys are stuck to him like glue. And this is a really good thing for Toronto because um, if you pair a Matt Thomas with, with a Kyle Lowry or a Fred Van Vliet or even both, and a Siakam on the court, and then you have Baines or whoever at the five, Boucher. I mean, these are all four of those guys, maybe, I want to say maybe except for Boucher, are guys that can win one-on-one -on -one matchups pretty easily. Um, that Guys that can come off screens and, and do things for this offense. So I think with Matt Thomas, they've kind of expanded his role where he's just not a, hey, I'm going to be running around like J.J. Redick off the screen, let's see if I have it, you know, type guy. He's They're really giving it to him maybe sending screens for him. He's he's getting a lot more on ball work. And then his off ball work, they're letting him create a lot more, which is which is really good. And he's Matt Thomas is is a pretty good passer. I mean, this is something I didn't expect myself. I mean, he's a guy that's consistently finding the open man. We even saw it in the preseason against um against Miami that last that last game and then also um who did they play the first two games? Was it was it Charlotte? I believe they played yeah, Charlotte, Charlotte. The two games. Yeah, and, and he looked good. I mean, Matt Thomas is a guy that I think has earned an early spot, at least in the rotation. Nick Nurse is, has kind of refused to to play uh, the young guys, Terrence Davis and, and Malachi, early on in the season, um, which some people, I guess, would not be okay with some fans. Or, or I've seen some fans already call for Terrence Davis to be playing and Malachi Flynn. But, I mean, if there's one guy that doesn't deserve to have his rotation spot taken away from him, it's probably Matt Thomas. Yeah, I've been really happy with him so far. As you say, not just a shooter. There is passing touch there. 
he looks far more dynamic with a picked up dribble as far as how he maneuvers with his pivot foot to get into space and rise up against different types of closeouts. He is rapid in relocation. And even when he puts the ball down, it doesn't look like, you know, there, there are players with every fan base when they put the ball on the floor. Everybody starts hand wringing and saying like, "Hell no!" Like, get the ball to somebody else. Yeah, that every fan base has it. Yeah. yeah, Matt Thomas is not that guy. Defensively, he's never going to be incredible. You'll find both sides of the spectrum. Some people will seemingly try to indicate that he's actually a very good defender. That I don't understand. But I also don't understand the fatalistic he's getting killed every possession because I haven't found that to be true either. So his he's his contributions have been extremely. Uh, they've been improving, and I hope they continue to do so. And I think as far as guys who have inserted themselves into the rotation and who deserve to be in that top eight, he's made a really, really interesting case for himself. Another guy, Chris Boucher, who had a hellacious game against the Spurs. Truly, probably the best game of his career. Mm-hmm. An absurd amount of blocks, uh, offensive rebounds, never die, never quit type of plays, chasing the ball on both ends, made it rain from downtown. The full, the whole Chris Boucher deal. What did you think about him? Is that an indicator for how he might do in the future or is this a hot game to you? No, I feel like Chris Boucher is is a guy that's probably going to be a mainstay in Toronto's rotation. This is a guy that, for Chris Boucher, I feel like um, he's kind of stepped into... Uh, I want to say the void left by Serge Ibaka, I mean, admirably. Um, he's been a two-way, uh, you know, monster for Toronto. He's a guy that has protected the rim. He's a guy that's been stretching it out beyond the arc. Um, I mean, he had 22 points. He had seven blocks versus San Antonio. Um I mean, seven seven blocks. I mean, that's <laughs> that's incredible. That is like I I personally seven blocks is absolutely incredible. So I mean, for for Boucher, that means not only is he protecting the rim, but I mean, it's one thing to really like if you've ever played basketball, it's one thing to attempt to block and to actually like get the block or or, or, or get the foul or whatever. And people say you know Chris Boucher is very very prone to to jumping too much and and to you know, falling for pump fakes. But, I mean, seven blocks is seven blocks. And then he also had 10 rebounds. And that just shows his his, his effort he was showing. And then that's just defensively. And then, I mean, offensively, he doesn't look like a, a liability. He looks like a guy that, if anything, he's he's been a plus for Toronto offensively. You want to see him on the court for Toronto offensively. And, I mean, it helped for Toronto because, like we said, Baines didn't really have a good game versus San Antonio. So, Chris Boucher, I mean, earned his minutes. He earned his minutes on the floor. So, um, I mean, Nick Nurse said it best. He he has to focus on defense for Chris Boucher first. The offensive game is going to come. Um, he has to run the floor. He has to be there for those transition opportunities. Um, from an offensive perspective, the development is there. Um, is Chris Boucher going to have 22, 10, and 7 every game? No. I, I mean, absolutely not. Um, but if he can be just be a plus two-way guy for for Toronto, um, who knows? I mean, Nick Nurse might not have a choice. He might have to start Chris Boucher, I mean, later in the season if this continues. Um, I mean, we talk about we talked about Norman Powell early on in the season, uh, you know, playing a very 
um, a very prominent role this season as a sixth man, and he he's kind of been he's kind of been eh too. So I mean, Chris Boucher might just be the first guy coming off the bench, um, at least in the short term, while while Norman Powell picks it up. Yeah, Chris Boucher, the impact he had in the last game, I thought was immense. Awesome performance for him. I don't follow him on IG. I probably should, but I, what is the running joke is that he puts every highlight he's ever had on his Instagram story, right? So he's going to overload that. And there's a there's a journalist who writes for the Boston Globe, I believe, Gary Washburn. And I, I don't mean to say anything bad about his writing. I don't read his stuff. I, I don't read anything about the Celtics particularly. But he gave Andre Drummond a Defensive Player of the Year vote last year. And I hope he caught Chris Boucher's game Boucher. yesterday because maybe Boucher will get a vote <laughs> at the end of the year. Goodness gracious. I mean, Andre Drummond. If he saw this game, if Andre Drummond's getting a, a Defensive Player of the Year vote for what he did last season... Chris Boucher just might be the best defensive player to ever play basketball from, from just what solely what he did. <laughs> solely what he did versus San Antonio. Yeah, but you do bring up an important point is that Boucher, if he's running the floor, if he's giving his effort defensively, his length, and especially playing next to a lot of minutes next to Kyle Lowry, he's going to find his way into buckets just by proxy of how close he is to Lowry. Lowry's very talented as a passer, can lead guys into layups, can lead guys into wide-open three-pointers. And if he's getting out in transition, Chris Boucher is not afraid to stick his nose in and head straight to the rim, even if there's a guy waiting there. There is points, rebounds, and blocks abound just waiting for Chris Boucher this year if the minutes are there. So even though he had bad preseason games to start things off against Charlotte, he was much better against the, I believe is the Heat in the third game. I think he's been very, very good in the first two games of the year. I've been very happy with his performance so far. And as you say, if Baines is going to continue to uh, lack a little bit defensively, which, I mean, there's lots of blame to go around for the defensive uh, struggles the Raptors have had. But if Baines continues to lack and they want some extra scoring pop thrown in, maybe they do throw Boucher in there for a little bit. Something interesting. Okay. Let's talk about Norm Powell first, and then we'll get into what I want to talk about projecting that Philly game a little bit. Norm Powell has been actually abysmal <laughs> to start the year. He was yeah. he was great last year and so consistent as a shooter, as a finisher at the rim, even though it is obviously subsidized by a lot of transition makes. But either way, he was like 78th or 80th percentile per cleaning the glass as a finisher for wings and guards. That's awesome. Good for him. And he did it returning from a bunch of injuries. So that makes me think this is just a hiccup because Norm displayed an immense amount of consistency last year. What do you think? Is last year the anomaly or is this the anomaly? What's your take on the, the norm of it all? I think this year is the anomaly. I mean, Norm is, is if you really watch the game, I had to rewatch it. I missed the first quarter um, of the game. So I rewatched the entire game and Norm was was hitting shots. I'm sorry, missing shots. I want to say that he normally hits. I mean, this isn't like this guy's shooting these contested, you know, awful three point attempts or going to the rim and just running into people with no regard, you know, for human life. Um, Norm Powell is is struggling to finish at the rim, where traditionally in his career he's been very very good. Um, 
But we've also noticed with Norm Powell since, I mean, the Raptors drafted him, since we traded Grievous Vasquez for, for that Norm Powell selection, and he's he's been a Toronto Raptor, we've noticed that his game relies a lot on confidence. And that's a lot of the And OG, about. right? Yeah, that's Didn't a lot of the The Toronto future pick became OG in OG that well, previous exactly, trade? Yeah. One of the Jesus, better picks man. in franchise history. <laughs> Uh, one of the better trades, I should say. Um, but Norm Powell is a confidence guy, just like I think Siakam's a confidence guy. Um, I feel like it's going to take maybe a few games for Norm Powell to really um, get into it. Um, has he been a streaky guy in his career? Sure. I mean, we saw a lot more consistency last season with Norm Powell. Um, but this is just, like you said, it's, it's been abysmal. It's been like he can't get anything right. Defensively, he looks like a mess compared to last season. Um, offensively, he can't buy a shot. Um, I mean, again, you could argue he's always been maybe a bit of an inconsistent player or streaky, whichever word you want to use. Um, but these two games have just been awful for Norm Powell. Um, and then naturally, as a, as, a, as, a, as a fan of the Raptors, people are probably thinking, well, uh, overreacting, I want to say maybe, well, can we trade this guy? What's going on? Norm Powell this, Norm Powell that. I mean, you got to let the guy rock for a little bit. Let it, let him, let his, let his play simmer. You know, let it, let it, let it rock. Norm Powell had a fantastic year for Toronto as their sixth man. Um, this is his contract year. Um, I mean, technically, it is. He does have a player option that Toronto probably hopes um, he'll be opting out of, uh, because obviously that means he either earned a bigger contract. Um, and then, or it just gives them more cap space, right? Heading into the offseason. So, I mean, it's kind of a win win um, if he does uh, opt out of that player option. But for the Toronto team, do you even want to get to that point? Is, is, is Norm going to be looked at as, as, a, as a trading block option for Toronto? Um, you know, we've heard the Harden rumors nonstop over the last couple weeks. Um, I, don't, I don't really want to get into that. But, I mean, Norm Powell is a guy that if this continues, uh, Ujiri might have to start, you know, looking at other options with Norm. Um, maybe Nurse throws him into the starting lineup, tries to get his confidence up. Who knows? Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Norm. But um, I definitely do think this is an anomaly, and I do expect him to turn it around. Did you watch uh, Rockets versus Blazers last night? Uh, I watched the highlights. I did not watch the... the, the Man, that... <laughs> there is such, there's a level of stupid... That James Harden can start playing basketball at it's it is madness and it was on display last night. But I like the positivity around Norm. It it isn't just a last year thing. It's his finishing has been progressing in a positive direction for some time. As yeah. has his three point shooting. There's like a three year trend that says he is a better than thirty seven, maybe closer to forty percent three point shooter. Yeah. I think. I think the Raptors fans should believe in that. I think that there should be enough goodwill. But I also think coming off of a championship team and a team that, you know, I think a lot of people were disappointed that they didn't beat the Celtics. There's a little bit of antsiness in the, I guess I would say, the fan base. So, And Norm looks like the easiest guy to move contracts with. It's Is that fair? Probably not. Our fan base is trying to trade people all the time. Hell yeah, dude. I'm, I'm sure there's... Warriors fans who are saying trade Curry and, you know, rebuild something like that. Or, you know, there, there's a number of things regardless. But I'm glad uh, you have the positive look for Norm because I, I think I do as well. And I, I'd expect him to turn it around. There's, there's lots of things to like in this game. 
Okay. End of bench stuff. As you said, Terrence Davis, Malachi Flynn, a lot of people pining for minutes from those two. I've seen especially for Malachi Flynn. I think he was awesome in the preseason, both defensively and as a decision maker with the ball in his hands. DeAndre Bembry factors into that as well. What do you think of those three players and uh, how they might factor in down the stretch? Are you cheering for one in particular? Um, with Malachi Flynn, I, I want to get minutes. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty... I was I was on the the Malachi Flynn you know train um, during the preseason. He looked phenomenal. He he looked even if you include the starters, he looked like one of the best players on the Raptors during that preseason. So um, he's a guy that just looks like he belongs. Um, a guy that's IQs off the charts for for a guy who's a rookie. Um, defensively, he's a menace. I mean, there's so many opportunities versus Charlotte, and then. Um, their last game of the preseason as well, where um, the other team had a transition opportunity and, and Flynn is just there popping the ball out of people's hands and, um, you know, playing this, this press defense. That's just, he's just, he's, he's annoying. I mean, as an offensive player, he's just annoying to have, to have you guard. I mean, he's just the guy that you, I wouldn't want him guarding me. Uh, if I'm in the NBA, if I'm at the YMCA, if I'm across the street at the local community center, I do not want Malachi Flynn anywhere near me. So, um, do I want to see Flynn get minutes? For sure. Um, he's a guy that's playmaking ability is 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 really good. This is guy. This is a guy who was one of the best passers in the draft. Um, I personally didn't, um, you know, focus on this draft compared to compared to drafts in the past. Um, so I didn't know he was as good as a defender as advertised. I've been following some some Raptors um, people who are more focused on the draft, um, looking at little notes that they've made on Malachi Flynn. You know. Before he before he was drafted by Toronto, and I mean they they knew they they knew that this guy was 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 a menace defensively. So I want to see Malachi get minutes. I want to see him get even if it's eight to ten as a super sub, just bringing him in, seeing if he seeing if he can change things, um, change the momentum a bit in the game, and then on to um, DeAndre Bembry, and then obviously uh, redacted DeAndre Bembry. I want to see him. Um, I want to see him only really get – I want to see him play kind of a Rondé role where he kind of only gets minutes. If if it really looks like we need an energy boost and just the energy is lacking in the game, whether we're up to, down to, um, up five, down ten, um, I want to see Bembry get some run. He, he looked like – I mean, he looked pretty good in the preseason himself. So, um, And then obviously on to redacted. I mean, he didn't he didn't have a good preseason at all. I mean, forget his legal issues. He 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 just struggled offensively um, during the preseason. So I could see why Nick Nurse is is probably staying away from him. But um, I think the guys who should probably first get the go at things is 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 Flynn and then Bembry and then Davis. Um, and maybe you take away maybe you take away a little bit of minutes from Norm Powell just just off of how he's been playing early in the season. Um, and you just kind of shuffle that towards Flynn. Um, but I think it does go in that order. It goes Flynn, Bembry, and then um, Davis. Yeah, agreed. I like that you bring up Flynn's defensive chops, defensive player of the year in his conference in college, one of the best pick-and-roll players in yeah. all of college sports. College sports, college basketball. College basketball. that they're running. Yeah, they run a lot of pick-and-roll in, the, in, in, the, in, the, in, in lacrosse. football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me that pick and roll. Okay. Uh, 
great defender, obviously defensive player of the year in what is it? Mountain West conference. I can't remember what conference I believe San Diego state. Yeah. Defensive player of the year. He was awesome. I thought in the preseason defensively screen navigation, impressive point of attack, defense, impressive and a prerequisite for small guards on the Raptors. Really good at digging in on bigs in the post. He got, you know, numerous steals that way. His manipulation of passing lanes with his eyes and his body language, I think he's great. I think it is a, yeah, an excellent indicator of how he'll be able to create for teammates into the future. I talked to PD Webb prior to the draft about Malachi Flynn on a podcast. He liked him a lot, although he liked Grant Riller and Desmond Bain better. Mm-hmm. I talked to Rebel, who's yeah. a great, great mind as far as... Um, breaking down basketball and prospects, especially if anybody isn't following him, Robel Tussin on Twitter, and uh, you'll probably enjoy it. So feel free to go ahead and check him out. But he he also liked Malachi Flynn, not as much as Grant Riller again, but he said, I had him on right after the draft, and he said, he's going to be good. And guess what? He he was good. He's, he he's a good. player I'd like to see get minutes for sure. And he, I would like to see him on ball. I mean, there are opportunities during the game I think for Nick Nurse to recognize that Flynn can come on ball and one of Lowry or Fred Van Vliet can be off ball. And if things get really hairy, they can just swap. But I think that's a good way to save some of the reps for Flynn to develop and I think some of the little bit of rest time on court for both Fred and Kyle. I think that's really interesting. Bembry, uh, I like his defensive versatility. I talked about this in the Reaction Podcast after last night's game. There was like a two-minute stretch where Bambri, OG, and Siakam all shared the floor, and they switched everything across the top of the defense. That was cool to see. That's a look we might see later on in the year. Was it hugely effective in that game? No. And then Terrence Davis, as far as what he brings to the court, he is able to get into open space as a shooter and a cutter. Those are the big benefits of his game. He looked really, really bad on ball in the preseason mm-hmm. and didn't provide any reason, I think, to give him lots of playing time. And defensively, he's always been very gamble adjacent. He likes to gamble a lot, gives up a lot of advantages to the other team. And with the way the team is competing defensively right now, I don't think that helps anything. And not to mention all of the current allegations that he's going through with his uh, legal processions. I, I don't know what the Raptors plan to do, but that is that is a factor, whether anybody likes it or not, and it's definitely not good. As far as looking into the, the next week, got the 76ers, and the Raptors are going to have to try and defend Joel Embiid with their roster, which maybe is not going to be so fun. Then the Knicks on uh, Thursday, and then the Pelicans again on Saturday. Any games you're looking forward to in particular? I mean, for me, immediately, like the 76ers are, are the team that, that catches my eye, obviously from a talent perspective. But then also, like, this is a team that we, I don't think we match up really well against this team. You look at their best player, um, Joel Embiid. I mean, size. This is a guy who's, I mean, with all due respect, I think one of the best big men to ever play basketball, Hakeem Olajuwon. I think he's the closest modern version we've seen to a guy like Hakeem in terms of what he can do in the low post. He can stretch it out a bit. He's, I want to say, a pretty good passer. Not, a, not an elite passer by any stretch, but a, a guy that, that can play make a little bit at the top. Uh, Joel Embiid is a guy that 
his biggest asset versus Toronto is going to be his size. When you look at San Antonio, it was the last, one of the final possessions of the game that, that really kind of irked me was, I think, LaMarcus Aldridge continuously tapping the ball to himself on the, on the offensive rebound. And there was absolutely nothing Toronto could do. I mean, they had Chris Boucher, Ananobi, Kyle Lowry, Siakam, and Van Fleet on the floor with 40 seconds left. And I believe it was Keldon Johnson who drove the ball to the hoop. I believe, if I'm not mistaken. It could have been DeJounte Murray. I think but it was I mean, DeJounte. It could have been, yeah, I think it was DeJounte as well. And, and we just lacked size down there to really just grab the rebound and, and continue on with the game. Um, Joel, who knows? I mean, <laughs> we might see one of those, you know, 25 and 20 games from, from Joel Embiid. <laughs> Um, unfortunately for Toronto, do, do we still, do we still, are we out of it completely? No. I mean, Toronto's still a very good basketball team. This is a team that just really needs to, um, you know, Kyle Lowry said himself, I mean, he said, we're 0-2 and I haven't been, I haven't had this record in, in a long effing time. Uh, so we have to figure it out sooner or later for our team. Um, we're nowhere near where we want to be defensively, but it takes hard work, takes dedication, watching film. Um, understanding who we're playing against and then making adjustments on the fly. So uh, that's the end of the quote. And then Kyle Lowry, he said it perfectly. I mean, this is this is not where Toronto wants to be defensively. This is probably not where you want to be defensively, particularly heading into a, a game with the Philadelphia 76ers. But this is also a big bounce back opportunity for Philly. So or for Toronto, I should say, 0-2, uh, not where you want to be. Uh, not really a, a panic time for Toronto, but. Um, you probably need a game like Philly to turn it, to turn it around, and then you have a, an easier opponent in the Knicks, and then you can gain momentum towards the Pelicans. Yeah, I like that you what you bring up is the size really matters when you're talking about Embiid. As far as being the closest analog to Hakeem, I mean, yeah. nobody is Hakeem, like you say, but Joel Embiid encompasses so much talent and so much size that it's hard not to draw that that uh, comparison he's he's very very impressive and one of the best big men in the league could yeah. you know it's a toss-up between him and Jokic depending on who you like as far as defense versus offense Embiid is a a world ender I'm not looking forward to watching the Raptors try and contain him it it should be a lot of effort I mean the Raptors doubled Zion relentlessly and that was Zion Joel Embiid is going to call more action from guards coming to help and dig in on him. And I, I think it'll be interesting if you're a Philly fan or an NBA fan to watch if Embiid's passing chops have improved. Because if it, if we know anything about that game, the Raptors are going to double and they're going to be fast about it. And yeah. Joel Embiid is going to have to make decisions as a, a guy with a ball in his hand. So that that remains to be interesting as far as Knicks. If the Raptors lose that game and go 0-4, then you can be pretty disappointed, I think. But it's, as you say, a really tough matchup with the 76ers. And hopefully they build some momentum going into that game against the Pelicans and can assert themselves as the better team and not end up on the wrong end of a, a really hot three-point run. That feels like a podcast, though, Saul. How do you feel, man? Yeah, man. This is this is great so far. I mean, it'd be, it'd be fantastic if we could rent Marcus All for one game from the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, to just guard Embiid for that one game, and then we can send him back to LA. But um, this is good. This is this was so much fun. I appreciate you bringing me on. This is yeah. this was a lot of fun to talk about each player, um, what we're expecting from Toronto, what we've seen thus far. 
Um, and yeah, I hope to be on soon. Hopefully, if you if you'll have me. Of course, man. Uh, visits are meant to be uh, with the t- numerous. They're supposed to be repeating all that kind of stuff, and uh, and they will be. Before we get out here, though, a huge thank you to you for coming on. But you have the floor. If there's anything you want to plug, direct people towards. Maybe it's a book you like. Whatever you want to talk about. Um, yeah. Um, for anybody listening that hasn't acquired the PS5 yet, I'm praying for you. Um, I really hope for the best for you. And I honestly mean that because I have a lot of friends and family who haven't gotten it yet. And I don't, I don't want to, um, I don't want any, you know, bad omen towards me because this sounds like I'm really just, um, being an a-hole about it. But uh, I really hope you do get that PS5. Uh, anybody who's an Xbox user listening to this, I'm also praying for you that maybe you find the right way in life. Um, Anything to plug specifically, I'm on Raptors Republic on Twitter. If you haven't followed me yet, um, you can find me sabd28 um, for, you know, banter, um, Raptor. I, I, I mean, I cover the Raptors maybe in, in a, in a I want to say in a, in a way that's not really orthodox, but um, hopefully I can make you laugh on my account from time to time. Um, and yeah, Raptors Republic, I should be there, you know, covering, doing my usual pregame stuff review stuff uh, and and yeah that's, that's about it i think toronto media as it currently stands has the best representation of non-orthodox coverage yeah as far as there's a lot of different people who cover the raptors and i think the the diversity of thought is definitely there especially people who are you know verified and receive you know uh, media passes and stuff like that. I think it's great. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, your pal, the uh, the former host of this this podcast, William Liu, I think is a, a credit to that and a, a big part of that as well. Yeah. So yeah, big shout out, Will Liu. Yeah, man. I just also want to wish everybody a happy holiday. Happy, happy holidays. Hope everyone had a great Christmas. If you do celebrate that, um, happy Hanukkah, I believe. I don't want to mess that up, but I believe it's it's around this time of the year. Happy holidays to anyone celebrating. I hope you guys are doing great. I know a lot of us are in lockdown right now. So um, really just watch over your mental health. Watch over your family. Call. Message your friends. Um, and yeah, I just want to. I just hope everyone's having a great holiday season. Likewise. I also wish that for you. But in less words, Kasal already covered all the bases. So, Hall, <laughs> thanks for coming on, man. Thank you for having me, Samson. I really, really appreciate it. Appreciate it. You've been doing a great job, by the way. I mean, Will puts Will Lou puts a pretty high standard out there to really just take over for him. Um, but I've listened to tons of your podcasts, the weekly reactions, um, and you've done a great job. So kudos to you. Um, keep it up, and thank you for having me. Thanks, man. That means a lot. the The initial <laughs> reaction to me taking over, as far as the uh, iTunes uh, reviews was not good it, <laughs> it was bad initially but i've i've turned the tide yeah. i think uh which is which Definitely. is nice to see so but yeah big shoes to fill hopefully i'm doing an all right job thank yeah. you for saying that Saul. but listener that's it for me that's it for Saul. that's it for you thanks for tuning in i hope you enjoy your day but whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night have a blessed day and bye <laughs>